Welcome, my friend. You are exactly where you need to be right now. It is not an accident that our paths have crossed. I'm confident that you are here because you are wanting more out of life. Are you ready to live your life with purpose and intention? Are you wondering how on earth to pull it all together? How exactly do you turn your ordinary days into extraordinary days? Girl, let me show you how to stop facing the day ahead and start faithing it. Join me, Sarah Elizabeth, each episode as I encourage and motivate you to place unwavering faith in the direction Christ will lead you and surrender yourself to His vision for your life. He's custom designed a life for you beyond your wildest dreams, and I want to help you discover all that He has planned for you to experience. Together, let's put God into the driver's seat of your life. Let's go. It's time to faith your day. Welcome back, my beautiful friend. Happy Tuesday, and thank you so much for joining me here today. I want to get you ready to receive a message today that I hope is going to help you shift your perspective towards the areas in your life that seem to be a complete mess. Every one of us has something or someone in our lives that seems to be falling apart. And sometimes it's us, isn't it? And it might be in the area of health or finance or relationships, career, emotional wellness, mental health, whatever it is. Let's be honest, we all have at least one area or multiple areas that is our mess. And it's not the area we like to show off for real. Who likes to show off the messy parts of our life? This is not what you see people posting on social media. But fear not, my sister, you are not alone in this. And I know you need to hear this because a simple shift in the way you see your situation might be exactly what you could benefit from. And this is going to be a scripture-packed episode, and it's going to fill you with lots of truth ammunition straight from God's Word. So let's do this. I've titled this week's episode of the Faith Your Day devotional podcast, Enemy on a Leash. Recently, I've been studying the book of Job in scripture, and you might be well acquainted with Job, or you might be hearing his name for the first time right now. Job is like Old, Old Testament chapter in the Bible. If you were doing a chronological order of the Bible, he's after the first um, maybe seven or so chapters in Genesis, you would switch to Job. So he's early, early scripture. But in a nutshell, Job was a good and righteous man. And he was seen that way in the eyes of God. And God thought very highly of Job. And we actually hear evidence of this in chapter one of Job in verses six to eight, where it says, when the day came for the heavenly beings to appear before the Lord, Satan was there among them. The Lord asked him, what have you been doing? Satan answered, I have been walking around here and there, roaming around the earth. Did you notice my servant Job? The Lord asked, there is no one on earth as faithful and good as he is. He worships me and is careful not to do anything evil. That's some high order praise, my friend. Now, Job was a good man, a family man. He had seven sons 
and three daughters. And he was a husband and he was very, very blessed. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 1,000 head of cattle, and 500 donkeys. Translation, this guy was really, really wealthy. And in fact, it's said in scripture that Job was the richest man in all of the East at that time. And it looked like Job had everything going for him. Happiness, family, health, wealth, admiration from God. But then Satan steps in and begins to stir up some destruction. In verses 9 to 11, Satan replies to God's praises of Job by saying, Would Job worship you if he got nothing out of it? You have always protected him and his family and everything he owns. You bless everything he does, and you have given him enough cattle to fill the whole country. But now suppose you take away everything he has. He will curse you to your face. My dear, here's the thing about Satan. Your blessings are a threat to him. You being deeply loved by God and admired and given praise by God drives Satan crazy. In John 10.10, we are affirmed that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In 1 Peter verse 5, we are warned that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In other words, while Christ wants to bring blessings into your life, Satan wants to bring destruction. And here is where this story takes a mega twist. God says something to Satan that quite honestly, the first time I read it, I was absolutely shocked because I just, I couldn't believe it. It says in Job chapter one, verse 12, the Lord says to Satan, all right, everything he has is in your power, but you must not hurt Job himself. No, you didn't hear that incorrectly. God actually tells Satan that he can basically have his way with Job so long as he doesn't hurt him physically. What the actual what? Girls, let me assure you, this is all part of the big perspective shift that I discovered while studying this message here in this mess. So being the evil, destructive, no good devil that he is, Satan causes all of Job's animals to perish. He causes his servants to die, which basically between his servants and his animals, there goes his whole fortune. So now Job, the wealthiest man in the East, he has nothing to his name. And he also causes a strong wind to collapse the building where all 10 of Job's children are. Death and destruction are everywhere. Job is absolutely heartbroken. Like his entire fortune is gone. His 10 children have perished and he discovers everything he has that he loved is now gone. He's absolutely devastated. He's grieving. He's mourning. And he did not realize that it was Satan and not God who caused this destruction. In the story, if you were to continue reading, Job is advised by a few friends who basically give him this message that Job must have done some pretty awful things for 
God to do this, to have this be deserved by Job. But this isn't the case. And not once did he turn his back on God or curse God. So in Job chapter 1, verse 22, it says, in spite of everything that had happened, Job did not sin by blaming God. So he legit was a righteous man. So just when we are feeling terrible for Job and wondering how someone could possibly even get through such tragedy, Satan comes back onto the scene again and he decides that he wants to bring more hardship to Job because he tells God that Job's only now still praising him because he has his health. And if that his health were to be gone, he would curse God for his troubles. Job chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Satan replies, A man will give up everything in order to stay alive, but now suppose you hurt his body. He will curse you to your face. Aren't you simply hating Satan right now? Job, this good and righteous man, simply going about his life, being good to others and kind and generous and humble, even with all his wealth, he was still kind and generous and humble. It states that. And now he has nothing left. So what does Satan do? Of course, he does what he does best and he does what he does to you and I, right? He kicks us while we're down and he kicks Job while he's down. And here is where God comes in and saves the day, right? The heroes got to swoop in at this point and begin to pick up the pieces now. Shouldn't this be how the story goes? Well, my sister, what God replied back had my eyes bugging out the first time I read this. It says in verse six, so the Lord said to Satan, all right, he is in your power, but you are not to kill him. What the heck is going on? How could God give Satan permission to take even more away from poor suffering Job? Well, as the story continues, Job is plagued by painful sores that spread all over his body. And Job's wife even questions Job's sanity as to why he is not cursing God yet. Like it seems the logical thing to do because you see, Job doesn't know that this is Satan testing. You see, we know that it is Satan who is causing all of Job's troubles, but at the time, Job didn't have that insight. It would seem completely understandable if he cursed God. And isn't that the question we often ask? Why do such awful things happen to good people? My friend, the book of Job is a great book to go through. Job's suffering is relatable to many of us, like perhaps not to the extent that he suffered, but we can all relate to loss and fear, grief, hardship, weariness, mental toil, and emotional unrest, none of us are without suffering. There is so much more to this book, many more lessons we can learn. But one main highlight that I found is that despite everything going far beyond wrong for Job, he never fails to give God praise and glory. He doesn't praise God for the hardship. He continues, though, to faithfully praise him in his hardship. My sister, that is where you might be at today, in hardship, suffering in your own way. Maybe it's you specifically, or maybe it's a loved one who you are walking with through trauma and toil and turbulence. It's important to note 
that even though God didn't create this plan of testing, that was all Satan. God did allow it to happen though. However, and here is the key perspective shift I want you to take away from today's message. You might want to write this down, my sister. Even though God allowed it to happen, he was still sovereign over the entire situation. He was still in control. He still showed mercy by placing a limit to the extent of the toll that Satan could take on Job. He kept Satan on a leash by explicitly telling him that he could not take Job's life. That was a boundary. In other words, Satan's destruction had limits. He didn't call the shots. The limitations were set by Almighty God. And God was still very much in control. My sister, that story, like I said earlier, took place at the beginning of scripture thousands of years ago. But take heart that God is still in control of your mess today. It might feel out of control. It might feel too far gone. But God's got the enemy on a leash. Satan hasn't been granted off-leash wandering. He's still restrained by our Redeemer. And God might not have orchestrated the chaos. He might not have created this confusion you're going through, but his allowing it proves to us that he is in the driver's seat at all times. It might not make sense today or for years to come why all of this is happening in your life right now. Satan can only test, but God has the final say. Spoiler alert, in the book of Job, we do not ever get an answer from God as to why Job had to suffer the way he did. God shows up at the end of the story, though, to have a chat with Job. And throughout many chapters of this book, we read of Job sharing his suffering with friends. Like I said, and his friends are trying to give him counsel and advice as to why he's suffering. But through it all, Job never curses God. But he sure challenges him by questioning why all of this is happening why he doesn't just die instead of suffering so much, and how this could happen to him, a good man. When God speaks to Job at the end of the book, he reminds Job that he, God, is the one who created the heavens and the earth, that he's the one who calls upon the thunder and the rain. He brings forth the sunrise and sunset. He moves the planets He is in charge of nature and takes care of everything on our planet. Translation, God is telling Job and reminding us that he is way, way bigger than any of us can ever comprehend. And because our minds aren't designed to be able to understand everything, sometimes there can't be an answer for our questions. Sometimes we yearn for answers, but God knows we wouldn't be able to understand. At the very end of the book, we learn about how God redeems Job. He doesn't give him the answers Job was seeking, but he sure restores what he had lost. In chapter 42 of the book of Job, in verse 12, it says, The Lord blessed the last part of Job's life even more than he had blessed the first. He got his livestock back, 
his wealth was restored. It notes that he had seven more sons and three more daughters. Verse 16 says he lived 140 years after this, long enough to see his grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Through much of his suffering, Job wanted to die. He thought that would be the best option to take away his pain. God had a different ending in mind, though. In Job's short-sightedness, he couldn't see the full restoration that God had in store for him. He didn't know that simply staying faithful through all of this was what was required to flood his life with blessings once again. Maybe this is where you are at today, my friend. Maybe you are in the dark valley of loss or sickness or loneliness or poverty or confusion. You might not see a way out. And just like Job at the time this was written, you do not know how your story ends either. If there is a message we can take away from Job It is that suffering is to some degree inevitable for all of us, and that the answer to pain and suffering is God himself. We are often seeking answers as to why this is happening. Maybe that's the wrong perspective, the wrong approach. Maybe answers aren't what you need to seek out right now. Perhaps it's actually assurance rather than answers that you need in this moment. Maybe in all of this, God simply wants your trust that he is still in charge, that he has the enemy on a leash, that he has set boundaries on Satan's destruction and wants you to remain faithful through all of this. You will come through this. What you are experiencing right now doesn't make sense. And maybe it's not supposed to make sense yet. Drawing near to God in times of distress will open your hearts to the healing, restoration, abundance, prosperity, grace, mercy, and hope that is to come. My girl, heck yeah, I love what God gave us to chat about this week. So let's pray over this one, shall we? Hey, Jesus, thank you so much for giving us this time today where we can gather, we can talk about your word, we can talk about Job and his story and the lessons we can take from this to know that you've got the enemy on a leash. He might be stirring up some havoc and destruction in our lives right now. He might be causing some chaos and confusion and making things messy for ourselves or for loved ones in our life. But Lord, thank you for letting us know through Job's story that you are still in control. This is not too far gone. This is not outside of your ability to rein things back in. And that we have promised through your word that restoration is coming. Lord, remind us to remain faithful in all of this. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. We want answers. We want accountability. We want to know why this is happening to us right now. But Lord, remind us that sometimes it's assurance that we need. We need to be assured that you are in control, that we can trust you. We know that if it's not good yet, it's not done yet. Lord, please remind us of that today. 
Lord, we lift up all of our family to you today, whoever it is in our lives, whether it's us or someone on our heart who is experiencing so much suffering. We lift them up to you and just ask you to keep them in your hands today, Lord. Fill them with your hope. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I get so excited to do these episodes for you. And, you know, if any of this is resonating with you or somebody is coming to mind when you're listening to this, maybe be a blessing to that person and share it out with them. You never know how God's word will speak to somebody through somebody. So, My friend, I will be back here next Tuesday. I hope you will consider joining me right here, same place, same time, wishing you all of God's blessings from my heart to yours. Bye for now. 